Can I do it too? Yeah. Hooray! I didn't know I was going to actually get to leap for joy or anything else this morning. Um, adults should leap more often, I think. Friends, in this season of Advent, we are waiting and longing for God's arrival in our lives. And so I invite us this morning to ask ourselves, where is it that we need God? Where do we need God to come and be present? Where do we need God to come and rescue us? Where do we need God to come and bring hope and peace and leaping for joy today? You know, God's already here, Emmanuel, God with us. And at the same time, we need to be fully here ourselves. We need to open ourselves and invite God into our lives. And so let's pray together. God, because you are most high, Lord of all, we're surprised and scandalized by your preference for people who are small and humble and who expect everything from you. You chose Mary, this unassuming young girl from Nazareth, to become the mother of your son, Jesus. And your journey with ordinary people like us, your arrival as a vulnerable baby, you make us re-examine how we define power. So through your Holy Spirit, make us aware of the poverty of our hearts, that we might be open to you and welcome you that we might be ready like Mary to serve you and your plans, that we might expect everything from you. Come to us now. Give yourself to us through the living word, Jesus the Christ, our rescuer and ruler. Amen. start of the church's calendar because we're, we're learning to uh, think about all of our time rotating around and through the life of Jesus. It's the start of the church's calendar. And we look forward to Jesus coming in the mystery of the incarnation, this baby in Bethlehem, born a king and a liberator. We look forward to Jesus' return, the second coming, to complete this work of making all things right, making all things new. So during Advent, we've been paying special attention to, as we have this slide here, to thinking about the story of the nativity as an immigration story, God's migrant journey to be with us. The story of Jesus' birth is this story about a God who's willing to cross the boundary between heaven and earth, the boundary between God and humanity. And yet we see, if we think about it, the people in the story are always on the move from one place to another. God's messenger, in our scripture today, God's messenger Gabriel goes to Mary. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells anew with both women. And soon, in a couple days, the whole universe will come together in this newborn baby in Bethlehem. You know, for me, and, and maybe for you, somehow in the midst of all the Christmas preparations, the gift-giving, and the tinsel, and the songs, and the parties, and the pageants, and sometimes the grieving in this season, too. Sometimes in the midst of all of it, we can lose just how radical and world-changing Jesus' birth really was. 
We can lose its sense of scandal, of surprise. It's not just mysterious. This story, it's, it's a little bit crazy. It's almost off-putting. It so counters our ideas about what God should do. You know, how, how would I make my entrance if I were God? What is it we expect it to look like when God shows up? The God of the universe, creator of all things, chose this time and this place, this little out-of-the-way village called Nazareth and Bethlehem, here in this story to become flesh. God didn't choose to write all the answers in the sky. God chose to become this vulnerable baby, love and truth and power incarnate. And Love and truth and power as a person, you have to get to know through a relationship. God chose to do it this way. This angel appears to this virgin, maybe a young girl of maybe 13 or 14, betrothed to be married. Don't be afraid, Mary. That's what the angels always say, right? Don't be scared because they're really scary. <laughs> you this is not what we expect. So Gabriel says, you're getting ready to be married, but, or and, you're going to have God's baby. Um, what? I know you said not to be afraid, Gabriel, but that is really scary news. Oh, and by the way, this son will be called son of the most high. His kingdom, his reign will be without boundary or end. So if I'm Mary, I have about a million questions right now. But she asks a good one. How will this be since I am a virgin? The answer comes back. Nothing is impossible with God. See, Gabriel says, your cousin Elizabeth is about to have a baby, and she's way past her childbearing years. And then Mary, faithful one that she is, says, oh, okay. <laughs> if that's so, then, then I guess so. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be with me just as you said. Mary's faith here is almost the hardest part of the story to believe. For me, anyway. If you're like me, if you've done some wrestling with God, and most of us have, Mary says, yes, Lord, your will be done in me, in my inmost parts, with the whole of my life. Mary says, I am yours. You know, Martin Luther said that there were three miracles in the nativity, that God became human, that a virgin conceived, and third, that Mary believed. And the greatest miracle, Luther said, was the last. Mary's faith here, her saying yes to God, is remarkable. And so Mary then goes, she travels and goes to see her older cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah had been unable to conceive, but now Elizabeth was in her sixth month of her pregnancy with God's help with John the Baptist. And Elizabeth and Mary, they come together, they leap for joy, they rejoice together. Mary starts singing 
the Magnificat, this revolution song that we got to talk about and hear about in our music Sunday last Sunday. You know, I love the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We've talked about this before. I love the Gospel of Luke in part because it's like a musical. The start of Luke's Gospel is everyone's constantly singing, just like breaking out into song and leaping for joy. It's pretty awesome. I think we have to sing a new song too when we see God's vision. We simply can't contain ourselves. We have to put it to music because we don't have the words. Mary saw that Jesus' birth was the start of this revolution, the start of this great reversal, the start of this upside-down kingdom. So wouldn't you burst out in singing if you saw that all of the bad news was finally coming to an end? Yeah, so last week we looked at Mary's song, the Magnificat, and we saw her sing, we heard her sing, your sick loved one will be healed. The dictator will fall from power. The people of your homeland will be set free. The flood and fire threatening your home will recede. Your debts will be canceled. You got the job. You have a place to live that's safe and warm. You have a new family. Mary sees that Jesus is going to bring this revolution, and indeed she sings it as past tense. It's already happened. That's how much she believes. It's already done. In him. The poor and the humble will be lifted up, but those who just t- take care of themselves will be humbled. The great reversal is coming, and it is now in Jesus here, she sings. And so, for this humble young girl like Mary to give birth to the King of Kings, for the Almighty to arrive in a stable because there was no room in the inn, for us to find rescue and victory through this one who would be scandalously executed on the cross. We, too, see and hear that the great reversal has begun. And so Gabriel's words to Mary, nothing is impossible with God, these words that we sang this morning, they could also be translated, nothing will be impossible with God. So if this journey of God to humanity is happening, if God comes and wraps God's self in us like swaddling clothes to join our womb and our tomb If God makes all this possible, then God can make anything possible. Amen? God's love and power, we learn, God's love and power have no limits, no expiration, no borders. When we see this vision of the great reversal in the kingdom, this upside-down reign and realm that Jesus brings, we recognize that nothing is impossible for God, and so we start to ask these dangerous questions. Really, if we, if we have the imagination, if we believe that nothing is impossible. And there are two questions that go like this. What if, turn to your neighbor and say this, what if and why not? Two dangerous questions, what if and why not? You know, when I first heard God call me to vocational ministry, I assumed that God had the wrong guy. I did. I was 23. I had just graduated, had my degree from Harvard. I was ready to apply to medical school. I was not ready to move to Lubbock and share God's love with college students. God had other ideas. God, you don't know me. I'm not holy enough. I don't have all the answers. The job is too big for me. And God comes and God says, like God keeps saying, it's not about you by yourself. I will be Emmanuel. I'll be with you. So what if? Why not? 
Maybe God is calling us to take radical steps as a church to keep learning and sharing God's unconditional love and justice. 173 years ago, a guy who'd heard from God, John Wesley DeVilbus, said, maybe I should go to San Antonio, this little Catholic, out-of-the-way place, and maybe I should share the good news from this Methodist perspective. And so uh, 173 years ago, this guy did the crazy thing, crossed lots of borders, and showed up here and started this church. And I understand that we have a descendant of uh, John Wesley DeVilbus with us today. Uh, Welcome. The story keeps going. About 100 years ago, folks in this church said, well, maybe a brothel could be converted into a shelter. That's part of the Travis Park story with Mary Volino's transformation that transformed our whole community. There's a lot more to that story. We kept going. Maybe we can get to know and share meals with our neighbors on the street. That's the birth of Corazon Ministries 20 years ago. Maybe this year we can open our doors and welcome migrants to sleep in our building. How about for you now? Maybe I can invite an unlikely person into this community. Maybe they can become a spiritual companion with me, a true and deeper soul friend. What if? Why not? If you keep asking those two questions, God will birth something new in us. Something that reflects God's upside-down kingdom, God's great reversal. What if and why not start a movement, as we like to talk about here, for God's unconditional love and justice in Jesus' name? What if God wants to send you, heal you, create something new in and through you? What if? Why not? Mary saw God's vision, joined in God's hope, but many of us have lost the ability to dream with God, to keep asking what if and why not. I think we've lost the practice, the habit of hope, because we've been disappointed. We're grieving. Things don't look the way they should. We look around, we're not sure that the powerful won't get their way, that the humble will be lifted up, that the hungry will be filled, that God's people will be rescued and God is going to keep God's promises. We're, we're not sure. If we're honest, our dreams and our hopes haven't fully come to pass. And some of us, especially uh, those who have lost loved ones, those who are looking for home or family or job, Christmas season can be a hard one, and we have to come face to face with some of those ways we're still hoping and yearning, trying to, hoping to hope. You know, sometimes it seems like others are receiving the gift that you've longed for, and God isn't blessing you in the same way. And so it's easy to ask, is it something that I've done? Where is God in the midst of my disappointment? Has God abandoned us? What does it mean to move forward with steadfast hope in the face of our circumstances? You know, friends, it helps me to remember how this ordinary Mary said yes. When Gabriel comes and says, you are highly favored, and it helps me to remember, that. thinking about that word favor, what is it that God's favor looks like? What does God's favor equal? 
Well, because you're highly favored, you're going to have a scandalous baby who is going to grow up and share scandalous teachings and die a scandalous death. That's favor. Favor may not mean comfort and prosperity and prestige. And yet, the beauty of the incarnation, the beauty of our good news is that there is joy and peace and blessing as we partner with God even when it's uncomfortable and scandalous. Pastor Valerie has a good friend from seminary who lost a child 